chapter 19 and verse number 7. chapter 19 and verse 7. When you have it, say amen. You're waiting for the screen, say amen. <laughs> First Kings chapter number 19 and verse 7. The angel of the Lord came again the second time. Now this is uh, in the narrative of Elijah. He came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did, did eat and drink, and he went in the strength of that meat for forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here? Elijah. What doest thou here, Elijah? And that is my question this morning to you. Is what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Why don't you turn to a neighbor and ask them, what are you doing here? Amen. Before you're seated, shout to somebody across the building and ask them, what are you doing here? Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I will give you fair warning this morning that uh, as much as I enjoy and love to preach uh, encouraging and uplifting sermons, I, I've got my pastoral dancing shoes on. And I, I do expect that I am, I'm a pretty clumsy dance, dancer. And so I will probably step on some toes this morning. Uh, so just giving you a fair warning, but, but I do believe that the, the Lord has a word for us this morning. This is not pastor that's just trying to say something uh, and trying to get a message across of my own volition. This, I believe, is uh, indeed directed of the Lord. Amen. There are times in life when you begin to look around and begin to take inventory Many times that happens when there's health scares uh, in your life. Uh, uh, it can be times of major change in your life. Sometimes it's simply when you feel listless and without purpose. Some people call that midlife crisis. <laughs> I hope that not many are here are in the throes of midlife crisis. It's good at points, in fact, often to take inventory and notice where you are and what direction you're going. It helps you to keep moving in the right direction. It keeps you focused on what's important. It helps you keep your priorities in line. Have you ever just looked around and uh, as you take that inventory and asked yourself, what am I doing here? It's a question that that speaks to location, location of place. But we understand it's more than just a place. It's location of time. But it also seeks to answer the location of purpose, 
of purpose. Not just where you are and when you're there, but why you are there. What are you doing here? It's not just the location that you're in or the time that you find yourself in that location, but what are you doing? What is the purpose of what you are trying to accomplish in the location you're in? Anybody with me? What are you doing here? When you read the question from God to Elijah, you begin to realize it's not about his location. Not about the place. It's not about the time. But rather, it's relative to his purpose. God is asking him, why are you here right now? What are you doing? What is your purpose for being in this cave? What is your purpose for hiding out in this location right now? What is your purpose? What are you doing here, Elijah? Let me just tell somebody this morning, you're in the right place. When we talk about or ask the question, what are you doing here? You're in the right place. And if you showed up by 11 o'clock, you were here at the right time. <laughs> you're here for the preaching. I'll give, I'll give you, you're, you're here at the right time. <laughs> but my question is, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? When we look at Elijah, and you look at the context, the, the situation surrounding the, 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 the time in which we were reading our text, with the direction of the Lord, Elijah, he, he sought to confront the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, which eat at Jezebel's own table. And he met them there on Mount Carmel. There, Elijah, he would call the people to stop vacillating between two opinions. Stop going back and forth because, as we know from Scripture, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so he, he confronted the people and he said, If the Lord be God, then follow Him. But if Baal be God, then follow Him. And when he asked the question, no one answered him a word. And so a test was given, a challenge was laid before them. And so they would prepare sacrifices, both the prophets of Baal and Elijah. And they would offer those sacrifices, and, and the statement came forth from Elijah as to who would be the winner. How do we determine which God is God? Who are you going to follow? And so he says that the God that answers by fire let him be God. And so the prophets of Baal did their thing. They prepared their sacrifices. They built their altars. They called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon. And at noon, it was then that Elijah had kind of let them have, have their time and, and, and do their thing. And so Elijah left them alone up to that point. At around noontime, Elijah began to poke the bear, so to speak. 
He began to prod them and mock them and make fun of them. He began to ask them, hey, hey, maybe, maybe he's talking and he can't hear you. Maybe Baal is on a journey. Maybe he's sleeping and you've got to wake him up. Anybody that's ever had a teenager knows what that's like. And because of his mocking, because he was, he was prodding them, they began to cry out even louder and began even cutting themselves. And the Bible says that their own blood gushed out upon them. Craziness. And when midday was past, they prophesied, the scripture says, until the evening sacrifice. They had taken most of the day from morning until the time of the evening sacrifice. Folks, I think he gave them plenty of opportunity. And when it was about time for the evening sacrifice, he said, okay, it's my turn. They tore down their, their altars. They, they, they put away their sacrifices. He, he, he built to himself up an altar of 12 stones, one stone for each of the tribes of Israel. And on the, on the stones, he put uh, wood there for the sacrifice. And, and, and he laid the sacrifice on top. And they, and they dug a trench around the altar. And that doesn't make a lot of sense why you would dig a trench. But then Elijah, he, just, he had to just show, let God show up and show out. Why are you digging a trench, Elijah? Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go... Get, get some barrels of water. Folks, this is in a time of drought. Water is scarce. Go get some barrels of water. And I want you to pour the barrels of water on the sacrifice. And by the time they were done, because they did that uh, multiple times, there were 12 barrels of water poured over the sacrifice, and the water filled the trench around the altar. Wow. Wow. Either Elijah's crazy, or he really has faith in God. And so, there was, there was uh, Elijah did this, and, and he had the sacrifice all, already made, and, and when it was time, all he did, he prayed a simple one-sentence prayer. And after that one-sentence prayer, immediately fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and vaporized the water and even, even vaporized the dust. It was all gone. And when all was said and done, when that day was finished, the people knew that the Lord, He was God. And they took the 450 priests of Baal down to the river and slew them there. But God wasn't done showing Elijah who he was. That's pretty awesome. I, in fact, I, I don't know any of us, at least I'm, I'm, I'll speak for myself, who when you see that happen, that you wouldn't just, just say, you know what? God can do anything. 
He deserves my service. <laughs> Even if I was on the edge before, he's, he's got me. But God wasn't done showing him what was up because at this time of drought, Elijah left that place as God directed his steps and he went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he began to pray. And after three years of drought, he had told King Ahab, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And miraculously, the rain came pouring out of the sky. Ahab, he ran back and told Jezebel, that wicked queen, about what had happened. And she sent a messenger to Elijah and said, by tomorrow, you're going to be just like one of my priests. I'm coming to take your life. And so Elijah, he, he knew the God he was serving. He had just seen such wonders and miracles. Amazing. And he fled to the wilderness. And he sat under, the, under a juniper tree, the scripture says, and he asked the Lord, listen to this man. He didn't ask the Lord, will you just take care of Jezebel? I know you can do it, God. I, I've seen you work against the priests of Baal. I've seen you bring rain from, from a cloud the size of a man's hand, and you've ended the drought. But no, Elijah, he says, Lord, just take my life. Under threat from Jezebel, he flees into the wilderness and just asks God, just take my life. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. He went a day's journey into the wilderness, came, sat under a juniper tree, requested of, for himself that he might die, and said, it's enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, look at what's happening. God's right there with him. An angel touched him, said, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake already baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. He ate and drank and he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that meal. In the strength of that meat, 40 days and 40 nights, and he went to Mount Horeb, the Mount of God. So he had just witnessed a miracle of God pouring down, raining down fire upon a sacrifice where God had provided provision for him that he did not make of his own. And now under the strength of that meal for 40 days and nights he was sustained but Elijah somehow had a mindset he somehow in, in the moments that he was living in the very present time he would forget what had just happened that sounds like some of the stories we read in the New Testament of of the disciples as they're out on the water having just fed, the Lord just fed 5,000 people. 
Lord, don't you know we're going to die? And, and so they're all scared and worried. Just simply forgetting that, that they, they still had the crumbs of that miracle on their clothes. He so soon had forgotten the miracles, the workings of the Lord that brought him to where he was today. My question for you this morning is, is what has the Lord done for you? What has the Lord done in your past? What miracles has God performed in your life? Some for it was decades ago that God saved you. He brought you out of the world. He saved you from your sin. He delivered you from drugs or alcohol. Some of you, it's only been recent that God has done a miracle of salvation in you uh, as well as so many other miracles that He has done. Somebody say amen. Every day that you get to breathe, every day that you get to get up out of your bed, it's a miracle from God. Every day that you have money in your bank account, to buy food at the grocery store. It's a miracle from God. And I'm not just talking about those things that we, can, we think we can take credit for. God is the one that is providing for you. God is the one that is allowing you to live. God is the one keeping that breath in your body. Hallelujah. But God is working miracles of healing. God is working miracles of strength. God is working miracles of encouragement. God is working all the time. If only we open our eyes and we remember what He's doing. Elijah forgot that the same God that did those amazing things is the same God right now. God, help us if we forget that the God who delivered you from your sin, that the God who has healed your body, that the God who has provided for you back then, that that God who woke you up yesterday and gave you breath in your lungs is the same God who keeps showing you miraculously His power. He's the same God right now. He's the same God today. He's the same God in this very moment. But He's not just the God of yesterday. He's the same God right now. Elijah went into the cave in Horeb. And he hid himself there. Now let me just help you out with something here. The word Carmel, when we talk about Mount Carmel, that great victory that God uh, showed himself powerful on that mountain, that, that word Carmel means a, 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 a green place. It is a, a, a flourishing place. It's grassy. It's, it's got uh, shrubbery. It's flourishing. It's a beautiful place. But Horeb sounds a lot like that name. It's a desert place. It's a desolate place. So Elijah goes from from that place, place of growth and flourishing to a place of desolation. But that place of desolation isn't any place. It's not just another mountain. It's not just another location. Because Mount Horeb is actually the same place that Moses received the law of God. 
It's in Sinai. It's the same place that, that Moses received his purpose and his commission. And we see the same thing happening with Elijah. Oftentimes we, we are desolate when we seek refuge and hiding place. Anybody been there? Oftentimes it comes after a time of victory. It comes after a time of, of, of God doing great things and performing great works. And, and we find ourselves coming off of that mountain and going into a place of desolation. And so we seek in that place of desolation to find a hiding place. To find a place where, where our calling and our purpose gets renewed. But there in that place, in the cave of Horeb, God came to him. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Make no mistake, Elijah was hiding. Elijah was making excuses. Elijah had fear and doubt that was wreaking havoc in his mind. In 1 Kings 19 verse 10, Elijah's response to the Lord, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord. In other words, I'm, I'm doing your work, God. I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. But the children of Israel, they forsook your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. And they've slain your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And now they seek my life to take it away. God, I'm all by myself. God, there's no one left. I'm the only one declaring truth. I'm the only one that's trying to live for you. I'm all by myself. And they want to kill me too. But God tells him, Elijah, you've forgotten the past. You've forgotten those things that have just recently happened. Elijah, your purpose seemed to have been tied up in what, what has been done. In what has happened in the past. And so God had to show Elijah that I'm still with you now. Elijah, I want you to step out into the mountain. Step out into the opening of the cave. And so God, in, ch in chapter 19, verse 11, He said, go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, look at what happened. The Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, still small voice. So Elijah was intrigued and he went out to see what God was doing. What are you doing here? I ask you folks this morning, what are you doing here? God is speaking to someone this morning. 
who's been hiding away in caves of despair and hopelessness. He's drawing you out of your caves of self-doubt and self-pity. He's calling you out of your caves of fear and depression, of your caves in which you hide yourself away to protect yourself from the hurts that come from simply living for God. And you hide yourself away from the truth. You see, God knows that even though Elijah says, even though Elijah thinks that he's all by himself, Elijah feels like there's nobody else. That he alone is left. That God reminds him that I've got 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed to Baal. Elijah, there's still a work for you to do. Elijah, I still have a purpose for you. You may feel alone right now. You may feel like you're succumbing to your fears. You may want to hide away for a while. And God gave him 40 days and 40 nights to do so. And now, Elijah, it's time to get to work. Elijah, I'm still with you. God was telling him that I'm, I'm here right now. I'm not just the God of your past. I'm not just the God who has done mighty things in days gone by. No, I'm still God right now. I still reign upon my throne. I'm still the sovereign king. I'm still the almighty one. I'm still the Lord of hosts. What are you doing here? Let me just help somebody this morning. It's okay to come to church to be your refuge from the world around you. It's okay to hide away in church for a time. And God in those times is working strength and revival in your spirit. But in the cave, it's not where Elijah would fulfill his purpose in God's calling. Let me say that again, and you might get it. In the cave is not where Elijah would fulfill his purpose in God's calling. Church is the place to come together. It's the place to be revived. It's the place that God uh, uh, restores and renews, and, and he, he brings strength and encouragement. But God's purpose is to carry us out of this place uh, to move us out of this location and reach out into the world around us. There's still a purpose to accomplish outside of here. What that means is that the refuge needs to accomplish its purpose. What are you doing here? This isn't a time or place to play patty cake with the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I hope you're ready. This isn't the place to play patty cake with the Lord. It's not the time or the place to tuck your tail and hide away, never facing what God 
has purpose for you. We've played games far too long. We've been content for far too long. Our church or our, our children and our youth Sunday school classes are near empty every Sunday because we've not placed the importance on it. And parents, I want to tell you, get your kids to Sunday school. Get them there on time. You've got teachers that are ready, that are uh, uh, they desire to teach your kids the Word of God. Our Wednesday night Bible study has a scarce crowd. Because we've let COVID teach us that it's okay not to come to the house of the Lord. And so what it's done is it's turned into a habit. We're, we're, we're willing to stay in the cave. What are we doing here? What's our purpose? What has God called us to do and to be? Do we just want to come to church and, and be entertained as we watch the singers and the musicians? Because I see it far too much. Is that why we don't participate when the songs are being sung? Why we wait until our style of music is played before we respond? Are we content with our lifestyle? Which is why the altars aren't full when the word of God is delivered? What are we doing here? Elijah, if you're in this cave, the cave is only intended for a time. But you've got to leave this place. You've got to accomplish and fulfill my calling on your life. What are we doing here? We can't be content in the cave. We can't be content to, to just go through the motions anymore. Folks, I don't know if you noticed, but the Lord is coming soon. And we've got to be ready. We've got to be on fire by the, with the Holy Ghost. We've got, to, we've got to let God do something in and through us that takes us beyond this place. God didn't kick him out in that when he first arrived. He led him. There was time. There was time that he was in the cave. It accomplished a purpose in Elijah, yes. He was allowed to, to just seclude himself for just a little while. It was a place of refuge for him. The cave was not a bad thing but it was only intended to be a refuge for a short time. Because the refuge, the cave for Elijah did not include anybody else. Elijah, got a whole nation out there that needs to hear what you've got. Elijah, let this accomplish its work in you. But now that it's done, now it's time to get out. And so my question is, what are you doing here? When you come to church, if it's your hiding place, if it's your cave, 
If it's your refuge, which, it, which I, I thank God for it. But it needs to be a place of strengthening, a place of recovery, a place of encouragement, a place of building up, a place of restoration. But how long do we stay? Do we live our lives coming here? All day, every day? Some would argue. But everything I read in Scripture, purposes, God sending His people, His chosen ones, His called ones, sending them out, telling them to go. What are you doing here? I don't want to just play patty cake in the church. I want to have a thriving Sunday school. Folks, let me just tell you, I told you I had my pastoral dancing shoes on today and I'm pretty clumsy. It breaks my heart when we've got Sunday school classes that are empty on Sunday morning. Do you know why? Because children learning the Word of God are the future of the church. As generations get older, generations pass on. Who's going to step up? Who's going to be the next generation? Our Sunday school needs to be full and thriving with children and young people. Adults, you too. Get here and hear the word of the Lord. Wednesday night Bible study. Folks, it's not just my fa one of my favorite services. I love Sundays. I absolutely love Sundays, but I love to teach on Wednesdays. I love teaching on Wednesdays because we dive a little deeper in the Word of God. And we need teaching and training. And we need to learn the Word and how to apply it to our lives. Wednesday is extremely important. So when we come together, when we come to this place of refuge, it needs to be a place where we can answer God when He asks us, what are you doing here? Lord, I'm letting Your Word get into me so I can go back out. Lord, I'm getting, I'm getting strength and revival in my spirit so that I can go back out. Lord, I know that you've got a purpose and a calling for me. So while I'm here, I need to be revived. I need to be renewed. I need to be encouraged. I need to be strengthened. So here I am in worship. Here I am in praise. Here I am in service. Here I am, oh God, speak to me. God, and when you speak to me, I'm going to respond. I'm going to come to an altar. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to surrender it back to you.
What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Are you waiting and watching for the clock just to see is pastor going to be short today or is he going to be his normal long self uh, and preach until it's one o'clock? Folks, my heart is burdened this morning because there is so much more that God has intended us to be. He's intended us to be the body of Christ. And we are to go into our world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Hallelujah. We are to see miracles and signs and wonders done in His name. But when we come to church, we play patty cake with God. What do we do with here? After God asks Elijah the second time, because God didn't just ask him once. After the first time, God said, I want you to step out to the opening of the cave and see what I'm doing. And folks, I don't know if you see, but God's doing some good things in the church. We've got Bible studies going on. We've had more Bible studies in the last little while than I think we've seen in the last decade. Some good things are happening. We've had baptisms and the Holy Ghost infillings. Awesome stuff. But God asked Elijah a second time, what are you doing here? And when Elijah gave his answer again, same type of answer, God's response to Elijah now was different than before. In 1 Kings 19, verse 15, the Lord said unto him, Go, Return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you come unto Hazael to be king, uh, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Eusaiah, shall anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay. Him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. He's telling Elijah that there is a future of the cave. There's a future outside of the cave. In other words, there's a reason for you to move forward. There is change that you can affect. Let me say that again. There is change that you can affect. And it's when he moved out of the cave that we see him step into God's future. In verse number 9, 
15. He, he, there's no record that he had yet made it to uh, uh, Hazel or, or to Jehu. But when he departed thence, he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him and with the twelve. And Elijah passed, him, passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Folks, like Elijah, when we move out of the cave, when we take what God has done in us, when we take the reviving and the renewing and the restoring with us and move out of the cave and go back out into the world around us with that revival, with that restoring, hallelujah, God will direct you into the future, into the calling, into his purpose that he has planned. And it would be Elisha who would have a double portion of Elijah's uh, blessing. Hallelujah. What you do when you come to church matters. God uses this time to grow you, to teach you, to develop you, to bring you closer to Him and to His church. But oftentimes we use the church as our cave to hide. And we hide from our world in here. And we use the cave to hide ourselves from the calling of God upon our lives. Because we're content with singing four songs on Sunday morning and hearing pastor preach for 30 to 40 minutes. But what are we doing here? Are you strengthened? Then go and fight the good fight of faith. Are you encouraged? Then go and change your world. Are you revived? Then get out and proclaim the truth to a lost world around you. The refuge is not intended to be the habitation. The refuge is a place of renewal and restoration and preparation for what is next. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Just as God told Elijah, he had a future. So God is telling someone this morning, he's with you. He's guiding you. He's strengthening you. He allows you and gives you this place, this time of refuge for your strengthening and for your revival. But what are you doing here? Are you content? Are you content with just coming, singing some songs, feeling like you touched the Lord, but not leaving and stepping into the world where God has called you to preach and proclaim, to win souls, to reach the lost? You've seen what God can do seen what he has done let him do it again not just in you 
but in others around you, people that you pray for, people that you work with, people in your home, your family, people in the grocery store and on the streets. You see, for Elijah, when God helped him to realize that his purpose was out there, that his purpose was back out in the world proclaiming God's word. For Elijah, his purpose changed his position. Folks, the same is with us. Our purpose needs to change our position. this morning would you seek him hunger for 